Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The King and I, Spencer King and myself are discussing today about burnout of cardiologists in their profession. I know there is a lot of burnout in physicians in general, but we are cardiologists, maybe even interventional cardiologists. And I know, Spencer, that was a big topic maybe like three, four years ago. Uh, ACC was dealing with that quite a lot. Remember that at that time, the president of the ACC was an interventional cardiologist. He, that was his main keynote at the EPIC meeting at Emory. But I wonder uh, what is your thought? It doesn't look like you never burned out <laughs> despite all the hard, hard work that you've been doing. So what is that in the burnout of uh, cardiologists or interventional cardiologists? Yeah, well, I don't have uh, Ron, you, I would, I would send it back to you too. I, I haven't seen any. Any burnout on in, in, in your part, but uh, you know, practice of medicine is so different for so many people. And I, people ask me this question: you know, how, how do you how do you not uh, get tired of what you're doing? And I feel I'm so uh, different, as we all are, different from each other, in terms of not only personality or interest, but also in what we do. You know, the pay, the the physician. I think most of the burnout that I hear about and I see articles written about are talking about people with a, a busy office practice and, and they seem overwhelmed with uh, uh, the amount uh, is expected of them uh, and yet limited time to do it and a feeling maybe of uh, not able to do the kind of interaction with their patients that they want to have uh, as part of it. I, I don't know. I'm probably the wrong one to comment on every aspect of different physician practices, but since I come from one place, I'll talk about only where I am, having spent most of my life, as you know, in the cath lab. Cath lab or involved in clinical trials or uh, this, this kind of activity, sometimes a bit administrative. Uh, but uh, in, in that arrangement, you're... Uh, your chance of getting burned. I, I don't know anybody that I can think of, uh, invasive cardiologist, and I'm sure this apply to EP or anybody else, who's, who, who gets burned out from doing cases. Maybe, maybe it exists. I don't know. I don't, you know, somebody says, oh, I just, I'm so sick of doing all these cases. Have you ever heard of that? No. On the no, contrary. No. So, so, so maybe what we do, uh, you know, a lot of what we do, what I used to do, is uh, somewhat immune to burnout. I, you know, surgeons, I guess you could ask the same question. You know, you, you're sick of being in the OR. Well, you were in there for some reason. You must have you enjoyed what you're doing. I view most of the criticism and the, the concern about burnout to be re related to, uh, you know, churning the RVUs, having to see a lot of patients, having limited time to see them, not feeling that you've been able to get everything out of that relationship you want to. And, and maybe I'm missing it, but I, but I, that's that's the people I hear about who feel like, uh, okay, retirement doesn't sound so bad to me. I think I'm ready, ready to get out of this. The other thing is, uh, and I explain this to people who say, well, you, you're a doctor. You're never going to quit practice. You're never going to quit being uh, practicing. And I... I try to think about that and, and try to answer that. So, well, 
your vision of the doctor is Marcus Welby or something like that. He's got these patients, they're, they're attached to them. I'm remembering Bruce Logue, you know, our mentor at Emory, who, who we all admired so much. But uh, everybody wanted to see him. And they'd seen him for years and years and all their family and everybody else wanted to see him. And so he tried to retire. I mean, he tried to, and uh, he couldn't get rid of these people. And, you know, I, I, I say that in the kindest way, but it, there was a, they're attached to you. If you're in a cath lab, primarily, if you're doing interventional procedures, even if you have patients that are, you're connected to over the years, you, you're likely to see them back uh, for their uh, repeat procedure or they're referred back or somebody else is their primary physician. And so you don't have a chance to uh, really experience that kind of burnout. Uh, on the other hand, most physicians do run a busy office practice. Most cardiologists do, even if they're interventional cardiologists. Uh, I don't know about EP. Maybe EP is the most surgical uh, analogous specialty we have, where you do that pretty much all, all the time. But but uh, uh, how do uh, how do you cope with that? I think part of our reimbursement system is uh, is, is a part of the problem. Uh, if, if all the incentive is uh, to get more RVUs on the, on the books, no matter how dedicated the physician is, the, everybody's pretty much working for the company store now, healthcare systems are uh, largely calling the shots. And uh, if you're kind of a relaxed uh, guy who wants to sit there and talk to the family about all kind of things, maybe you need to get into concierge medicine or something like that but it uh but some people actually flourish in this uh, idea of just seeing however many 20 patients a day everybody know everybody one of our colleagues uh i'll refer to by name uh, steve clements steve knows he, he remembers all these patients and he knows when he sees so many everybody wants to see him because he uh, relates to them so nicely uh if I tried to do what Steve did all my life, I, I would have burned out for sure. But for his personality, he, he thrives on that. So I think we're all different. And so when you talk about burnout, you probably need to, there's a lot more nuance to it than just say you're too busy or you don't have enough time or, or whatnot. Uh, and, and the cure, I'm sure, is different for different people. When you, we try to, people write papers and I see all these papers about how to prevent physician burnout and the COVID epidemic is added to this and whatnot, whatnot. Uh, telemedicine has made people either help cure their burnout or made it worse. I don't know, you know, depending on the person. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know the answers. I think the answers are, 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 are many and, and they're dependent on the circumstance. Well, maybe we don't know. Maybe we, that's the issue. We don't know the answer to that. Uh, one thing that uh, I hear a lot is uh, a lot of paperwork, there's a lot of computer work. Uh, in the old days, you just put a short note. Now you have to go to fill so much papers and then you have to deal with insurance providers come just to get reimbursed. If you're private, I mean, there are very few that left private. Um, and then 
the other complaint is that you have to see 80 patients in a day just for the RVU. So that's like, seems like endless procedure by the end of the day, you, because we don't do even eight cases a day in the cat lab, right? So that's the maximum, that would be a lot. Uh, so it could be that these issues are there, but I'm asking myself why this is different from any other profession. Like if you're an attorney, if you see so many clients or so many courts, or if you are an engineer, I mean, where is the, or if you are just the merchant and you have a store and you have all those customers that get into the store, you like to get them into the, your store. Why you don't hear from them about burnout or maybe they do have burnout, they just don't talk about it. So I, I really don't know the answer to that. And I agree with you, it's different from one profession to another profession, but that's the main explanation right now. We, why we are gonna have a shortage of cardiologists because they don't want to continue or they quit early, which is kind of a also contradict what I hear from our Europeans colleagues when they're forced to retire at the age of 65 and they're not allowed to work anymore. I mean, we know individuals very well that world-renowned that like in full capacity wanted to continue and they basically, they put their hands in handcuffs and tell them, you know, you reach to the magic number 65, so we'll give you maybe extension 67 and then no more work. So this is like, and they are not burned out at all. I mean, they actually want to continue to work out. So maybe there is something like, maybe if you take from the cardiologist the ability to work, they would not be burnout. They actually would say, hey, why do you stop me for working? And they will appreciate uh, the fact that they are in a capacity that they can see patients. So I wanted to hear your thoughts about this. Well, it's, it's kind of a first world problem that we have. Uh, we're, uh, we, 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 you know, we talk about burnout as American physicians uh, doing what, what we do. And uh, you'd find many places in the world that people would say, you know, what are you talking about? You know, you, you've got it, you've got it made, you know, you're, you're making good income, you're, you know, people are, you've got uh, uh, access to health care, you can get, you can get things done for your patients. You know, what about the people who are out there in some other uh, places in the world trying to practice medicine and the conditions that are not uh, not optimal and then I getting paid for it either and whatnot and and they're saying what are these what are these Americans uh, carping about <laughs> but burnout for pit sex but I think if people truly do feel the burnout there are a lot of options I mean you know you could uh, maybe there and, and maybe you should do this uh, say well okay what what if the I have friends, I know many people who've been in academic situations who say, you know, I, I don't want to cut back. I'd like to cut back. So I want to go half time or I want to go uh, two thirds time and, and therefore have this uh, other free time either to do other academic endeavors or go fishing or whatever. And uh, their institution uh, values them in some way and, and, and lets them do that. Uh, but there are many institutions who, who simply won't respond to that and say, no, you got to be a full-time of the company store. I, I, I don't know. I don't know that. Uh, uh, I think one of the things that is, uh, is uh, difficult is that everyone assumes that if you are a physician, I get this from my neighbors and people say, well, you will never quit medicine because you love it. And I say, yeah, I love it. But, but does that mean that I have to 
go there and do things that probably younger people now can do better than I can just because just to satisfy my ego. Uh, no, uh, you, you can love it and still you can do other things uh, with it. But uh, just because you're a physician, you don't have to work uh, until you're 100. But, but the general public kind of views that as, uh, as something that you ought to be doing. I said, well, what about your... Uh, what about your lawyer? Should he keep on till he's a hundred? What about your uh, a bank president or bank uh, official? You know, should they keep doing it forever? Uh, what about your minister or rabbi? Do they have to do it until they're dead? No. Yeah. <laughs> so, so doctors just get this rap. You you know, since you are supposed to, they think you love it. You, if you if you retire, oh, that's that's terrible. You're not. Poor guy, he's retired. He doesn't, and I don't know what to do. He's got to find something now. He's going to take up a, take up a painting, or he's going to take up a music or something. No, you don't have to, you know, there are all kinds of things. Life goes on, uh, and life and medicine are not synonymous, uh, although we've sort of made them into this mystical thing that medicine is my life, I got to do. Uh, but no, uh, life is life, and medicine is a, is a gift, and you don't have to you don't have to pretend that you uh, are at the top of the game your entire life. The other people come along. Yeah, my opinion is that we are I will call it quite quote privileged. Yeah, we we should recognize it. But I, I don't I don't think that there is a difference between medicine to other professions in terms of burnout. If you work hard. If your hours are eight, six to eight or six to six or whatever, no matter what's the profession, you can get tired of working or doing the same again and again and again. And, and that's called burnout maybe. But I don't think there is anything specific for medicine or for cardiologists or any of those professions. It comes to the individual. That's why. Well, if I was a primary, if I was a primary school teacher yeah. and I'd been doing it for 30 years, and I'm getting paid like a primary school teacher and I'm expected to keep increasing what I do and do more students and do, for me, I can visualize that burnout. That's easy. I, I, I get it. Uh, but uh, in medicine, the, the truth is, uh, you know, within our system, we have enough people that uh, if the work is overwhelming, you know, there are people who could uh, cut the work back if the system, if whoever they work for, could value that as a reasonable thing, and uh, cut back their uh, recompense as well, uh, you know, and just decide, okay, that's I'd, I'd trade off uh, more more free time if free time is what they're after. But I, I suspect there's burnout unrelated to the time. I think there's burnout just dissatisfaction with uh, whatever it is, and it's probably different from every individual. Then, then there's the whole issue of depression and suicide. I, I don't know how much of those numbers are right. I mean, but people reporting about physicians, I don't know if it's more among cardiologists or not, that they're being affected. And it's all connected. I mean, it's a very interesting story. I mean, I have to say, I, I was not exposed to that personally, so maybe I just read about it. But it's hard for me to see it. I mean, I hear everybody complains, but everybody complains about everything. I mean, you put every, that's a very, that's our nature to complain, I guess, when you put someone together. But um, I, I don't. Maybe know. we've had it too good for too long, and uh, 
I often think, you know, we talk about the greatest generation type thing, and that came on the heels of the Depression. And then uh, everybody is happy because in relation to how they were, they're in great shape. And I think about this, uh, somebody just wrote a, wrote a piece about uh, Mao's children, that is the people who were rounded up during the Cultural Revolution and sent off to the countryside to work. Uh, but people whose parents grew up during that period in China, and now in the current period, which many view as being repressive and whatnot, still the relationship to how it was, you know, how, how are you in relation to where you were? A lot has to do with our expectations, not so much what we're doing, but what we're looking forward to. And, you know, I worry about all this uh, talk about, you know, the next generation will not do as well as the prior generation and people's children will not do as well as they did. This is all a psychological uh, uh, water that's thrown on us to make you think, well, the future is not as good as the past. Now that's gotta be depressing if you buy into that, that somehow you've gotta do better than your forebears or something like this. And, uh, but it's, it's kind of an American psychology. You know, we always gotta be going up, 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 up and uh, never relax. So uh, my view about everything in life is that it's quite uh, relation, the relative uh, importance. Uh, I, I like absolute differences in clinical trials, but, but the relative uh, difference is, uh, is probably more important in uh, your psychology. If you're relatively uh, doing better than you were or relatively doing well compared to who you're comparing yourself to, then you're happier. And if you're, if you feel like you're being uh, not treated fairly enough, or you're not achieving uh, what you were before, or you're looking forward to, you're you're not looking forward to better days in the future, then you know, depression probably is it comes along. But I can, I have a hard time thinking about people who've got something important to look forward to, uh, being depressed. It just seems like that's a the greatest uh, medicine you can have is to have something you really value that you're looking forward to. Yeah, I tell you why I don't buy into all this stuff. I mean, I see now a whole new generation of young physicians, majority of them coming from either uh, different countries or even for foreign medical graduate schools. They are so motivated. They are so energetic. I mean, I see it among our fellows. They say, okay, if you're, if you're depressed, you want to quit, go ahead. I'm, I'm repressed. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it right away. So that's one thing. The other thing is, look, it's still very hard to get into medical school. It's still very hard to get to cardiology fellowship. It's still extremely hard to get to interventional cardiology fellowship. So I mean, everybody reads all those stuff. I mean, we're talking about this burnout for the past 10 years. That's something probably not true because like, why would you like to go to a, a, a profession that people tell you, oh, you get burnout, you get depressed, you committed suicide. It just doesn't connect. That's why I don't believe in all this stuff. I mean, I, I just, I think there are a bunch of people that they definitely complain and they don't feel good about it so they can live. And, I can assure you, those spots will be filled at no time. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, part of it is just a, it's an end thing. 
uh, to talk about burnout, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if you were if you were uh, if you had inadequate uh, water or food or you you were in in a war, you know, you don't talk about burnout. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, flat out. You've been in in wars, and I've been in wars, and I can't remember anybody talking about being burned out. <laughs> you get upset about all kind of things, but burnout was. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm burned out with this war going on here. No, no, no. It's, you're you're. <laughs> so it's, it's a spoily thing, right? I mean, people are spoiled, so they they complain. Okay, I'll I'll give you the last word, Spencer. Oh, the last word is cheer up, everybody. <laughs> you got it pretty good. Uh, and, and for those who are in charge of medical systems, and as long as we have the same reimbursement system and the same that everybody's uh, working, then it's the responsibility of people uh, who, who employ all the doctors to, uh, you know, figure out uh, with them how to, how to make them happier. Uh, you're never going to make them all happy, but uh, uh, and for the for the physicians themselves, you know, like you say, uh, you know, if you're uh, if if you're tired of it, uh, get out of the way and let somebody else do it. <laughs> oh, that's that's probably unkind. I'm sure there are people who are who are really suffering, and uh, if anybody listens to this, it's really suffering. Uh, I, I would ex I would excuse myself only by saying that it's very difficult for us to know uh, what's going on with, with another person. That's true. And with that, we can have another uh, episode of The King and I. Thank you. <laughs>